Okay, welcome to another edition of the Culture Class Podcast, a podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and learn about other cultures. My name is Nosai Yari, and welcome to another episode. Uh, today, I have a special guest in the building. Um, I mean, every guest is a special guest, but uh, whenever I interview people on the continent, I like to say they're extra special. Uh, I need to do a lot of that, uh, more of that, actually. I think in about 130 episodes we've published, maybe less than five people have been um, on the continent. A lot of people are from the continent, but either living in the States or other Western countries. But I really need to connect with people who are living on the continent and, you know, hear, you know, the authenticity of their story and things like that. So welcome to the podcast, Chulu. How's it going? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Most definitely. And Chulu, Chulu Chansa, the Africana woman, the original Africana woman is, is tuning in all the way from Cabo in, in Zambia. How's it going over there? It's good. It's actually a beautiful day today. Um, we're in our winter season, so we thought it would be colder than it is. So I'm I'm grateful. I'm not about the cold. <laughs> Wait, when you say winter, do you mean like snow? No, I mean, I know our winter doesn't get that bad. I mean, like for us, winter, it's like really cold in the morning and really cold at night. But by the time you get to like noon, it's, you know, it's warm and you can walk around without any jacket or anything like that. But I mean, over the years, it's been getting um, progressively colder and colder. So Really? Yeah. I thought you were um, going to say warmer, global warming. No, the winter has become really, really bad. <laughs> Maybe it's the reverse. Maybe it's the, what they call it, the, the northern equi equinox whatever and the, the northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere or, or something yeah like that. yeah so our winters have become quite bad but um yeah but we don't get snow here so it's, it's okay. have you ever witnessed snow even once since you were a child or something yeah as in in another country yeah but uh, not no, no, not in another country. I know Zambia is in Southern Africa, and I think it, if correct me if I'm wrong, it might snow in South Africa a few times. So in South Africa, it does. Um, countries which have got mountain ranges, you'll find snow there. Um, but in Zambia, no. There was a time, those I think it was a, what two years ago or so. Um, there was one particular area where it was just covered like just white, and it, you know everybody was saying, "Oh my gosh, that's snow." But I don't think it was. I think <laughs> I think it was hailstones. But anyway, it, that one is up for debate. But it was like a very small area that you know was covered. Like, but I don't know. Got it. Got it. I mean, I'm Nigerian and, you know, in northern Nigeria, you know, you have hills, hill storms every other, you know, five to 10 years. It's not that popular, but in places like Jos, I went to school in Ibadan, southern Nigeria. We had a hill storm once in the six years I went to school there as well. So we don't have snow. We call our winter season Hammertan. So it's just like there's like a white mist and fog in the morning. It's pretty cold. When it gets to the afternoon, it's very dry and dusty and hot, that kind of thing. So, so I'm thinking it's maybe like the same thing. All right. So talk to me about Cabway. Like, you know, when you told me you're in Cabway, like whenever, you know, it's I'm guilty of this as well. Whenever I t think about countries, I just think about the capital cities. So I automatically thought you were in Lusaka, even though, correct me, I'm wrong. You were maybe born in Lusaka. So what would you say uh, uniqueness that can be found in Cabway, like compared to like Lusaka? Like if you ask me like differences between like Northern and Southern Nigeria, like maybe Lagos and somewhere like Abuja, I'd say, you know, people in, in Southern Nigeria love to party. They love to show off. 
Like, you know, we have good food all over Nigeria, but we have like, especially good food, like in Eastern Nigeria, in my opinion, you know, uh, the, the North has a lot of like beautiful girls and things like that. So what, what are some of the uh, unique uh, things you can find in Kabwe for someone who hasn't been to Zambia before? Mm, well, Kabwe is more of, um, it used to be a mining town and then it's uh, more of a farming town right now. So it's along um, our great north road. Um, if you um, know anything <laughs> about, I guess, history, uh, well, like Southern African history, Cecil Rhodes wanted to make like a, a railway and a road that goes from Cape to Cairo, um, Cape Town to Cairo, so S South Africa to Egypt. And um, one of the roads uh, passes through our country and it connects all of our major, or our, I wouldn't say major towns, but anyway, it connects all of our towns as we go along. And that's where you find um, the, you know, um, the urban populations gathered. So we are along one of those towns. But so a lot of people usually drive through Kabwe on their way to um, the north of the country or, you know, um, other parts of the country. And they don't, they just see what's along the, 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 the that small expanse of when they're driving through Kabwe. But when you actually begin to explore the, the town a bit more, you find that it's so much bigger than you actually think. And then also because, you know, there's a lot of farms and things like that. Um, so, you know, you've got all this large farmland and all of that. Um, Does that mean that some of the local drinks come out of Kabwe? Some some local drinks we have where I come from, like palm wine or gogoro, like things like you ferment the, the palm leaves and things. Uh, they, they're usually found in farming towns. Is that is that correct for Kabwe or there are no No, uh, no. Right now, you know, I think a lot of people kind of just, um, they'll either be farming um, maize or um, subsistence crops. So, you know, you've got your beans and things like that, or tomatoes, things that you can supply to markets, basically. Um, and then you have a few, um, uh, what is the word for like animal farmers? Husbandry um, farmers. Like livestock farming. Yes, livestock right. farming, yeah. So I wouldn't, right now, I wouldn't say there's anything necessarily um I say distinct or unique about it. But what I do love about Kabwe when it's when when things are normal is that um the, I feel like Kabwe people do like a good party. So my mom is um usually the one that's based here in Kabwe. And you know, every time I'm calling her, she's like, Oh, we've got this function and that function, and we're doing this. And I'm like, your social life is more lit than mine. Like I don't get it. <laughs> like every Are you kidding weekend. me? Your, your, your mom ah. is more lit than you. Mm -hmm. Oh it's man, way too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, what's, what are some of the things to expect in, in a Zambian party? Like a typical Nigerian party, you have the people like spraying the money. Mm. <laughs> uh, some people might dress in like matching cultural outfits. Mm -hmm. If it's like a traditional Owambe, we call it in Southern Nigeria type of party, the food must be on point mm. and the dance is always on point. Like what are, what are some of the things to expect the in, in the cowboy function? Yeah, I feel yeah, Zambians love their braai. Like, there's always going to be a, a barbecue going on, you know? So, and I feel like when people come to Zambia, they always say, like, your meat, it tastes like real meat. I don't <laughs> I don't know why they think. <laughs> Wait, is there something like fake meat? <laughs> and that's why I'm like, I don't know what they're just like, the meat, like guys, the impossible the burger? meat is just so good. So we... 
people love their bride. Like there will always be uh, a bride stand, people buying music in the background. Sorry, what do you call it? A bride? Like yeah, B R A I I. It's actually a South African bride. word. Um, it comes from Afrikaans, um, but it's something that we've adopted for whatever reason. Um, yeah, so we call it a bride. Um, so then you've got your music playing, people dancing. Um, not so. I wouldn't say that we are over the top when it comes to like dressing up, but um, but the food and the music and the company that's always always so much fun. Nice, nice. I, I talked about, like, you touched on the relationship between, you know, Zambia. I would say maybe, like, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. You know, they have somewhat of a shared history. You talked about Cecil Rhodes and all those, you know, miners and jury guys, you know, from South Africa. Uh, how much would you say... Um, that block of Southern Africa. So when you talk about, you know, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Lesotho, uh, South Africa, how much of the culture would you say is intertwined? Like, is it common to like find things that are common in those other countries in Zambia, for instance? Uh, are there common languages that are spoken between those four or five countries in that region? Some of the food, that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, there quite a number of um, things that are different, but then there are also a lot of things that are quite similar. So in terms of um, languages, you find that you have some tribes that are in um, maybe two or three countries, like it's the same tribe, but they're in different countries. Because I mean, when when, our, when these people decided to make these boundaries, they just yeah, shout out to the Berlin Conference. <laughs> right? Right. So I just like, oh, we just got to put these lines and, you know, no matter that, you know, there's actually like people that are connected. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, even when you look at the history, um, let's say from South Africa, you had the Zulu tribe and, you know, Shaka, um, who's quite popular, Shaka Zulu, right? Um, he, um, when he was in rule and he was invading different lands, a lot of the tribes that were running away run as far as um, Zambia. So you have that inter, you know, there's, there's a mix of, of the different tribes and different um, different cultures and ways of doing things um, in in on that level, and then um, I think more in in more in more modern days, what has happened is our economies, um, because you know, like in Southern Africa, we have like that uh, an, an economic uh, block, like an agreement. So our you find that if you go to if you go to Zambia or that or Zimbabwe or South Africa, you, it's the same shops like you know the big chain shops you know you find yeah shop right um the banks are the same uh you know whether it's um what is this Foschini or um woolies woolworths um you know you, but you find this that similarity so a lot of the times when people come from the different countries they they uh, or from like southern africa they feel like oh Okay, this kind of feels familiar because I know um, I know what it what it's like to live in an urban setting um, in these spaces. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We we have something similar in West Africa called ECOWAS, the Economic Community of West African States. So I don't need a visa to go into Ghana or Togo or Senegal or some of these other West African countries. And I'll assume uh, it's the same for you uh, in in Southern Africa as well. Like you could go into all these countries, but it, it's not always been like. Is it safe to say it's not always been all you know roses? And so there, there's been some discord. Like you talked about some of the differences between tribes, and I know there's always like a reoccurring 
recurring theme, specifically in South Africa with, you know, issues of like xenophobia and things like that, not just against people from Zambia, but for foreigners in general. And, you know, some in Zambia too, sometimes I think there was an issue with Rwandans, you know, different things like that. And, you know, there, there's been several issues uh, like that. What you what would you say is like the uniting factor uh, that, that, you know, when this happens, is it like football? Is it, you know, a specific thing? that everyone just kind of like drops their differences and unites against, because that's what this podcast tries to do. We try to promote things that unites people rather than things that divide people. So if you were to say one thing that that helps people, you know, come together, you know, that kind of thing. You know, Nigeria and Ghana, may, we may have our differences with Nigerian jollof and Ghana jollof was the best. <laughs> but once it comes to some specific things, you know, we're, we're all giddy and, you know, united and things like that. So what would you say is that, that you know, event or personality or culture or whatnot yeah. that kind of unites Southern Africa? You know what, it's kind I feel like it's almost um, hard to say that one thing. Um, but I think, you know, when you see someone on a world stage, for example, when there's the Olympics, you know, the Olympics is, is it right now, you know, um, and you, and our countries typically don't send huge teams there, right? Um, would send maybe one or two that managed to get some sort of sponsorship or whatever. But when you see, when I, you know, when you see someone on, on the South African team who's doing really well in a particular event, you know, everybody's going to go and support that person, you know, um, or, I think there's I, there's the music also. I think is a very unifying factor, um, especially in Southern Africa. I think um, I, you know, especially if you if you go um, to um, the different clubs and all of that kind of thing, you have a lot of influence of you know a lot of music being played from South Africa, from all these different countries, and it's something that I think really manages to bring people together um well, what type yeah. of songs are playing in the uh, Zambian clubs right now is it like Kwaito I'm a piano or maybe I should ask your mom <laughs> yeah, should... yeah I think you should ask my mom <laughs> <laughs> she would probably know <laughs> yeah um yeah I mean I remember back in the day when you know Kwaito was huge like <laughs> it was so huge in Zambia um and then you know we just been growing and I mean it's been it's been nice to also have that Western African music coming in and it's just um even Eastern Africa like Kenyan music um and just getting more exposure um to the different types of music on the continent has been amazing especially in the you know in the advent of like social media and you know all these dance challenges and things like that I think it's really broadened our scope of music um back in the day we used to really listen to a lot of music from Congo DR so you've got your rumba you know that type of thing and then um then like now it's you know it's growing you've got the house the ama piano and all of these kind of things so it's it's cool and then and and i mean zambians love their their zambian music um <laughs> so, so it's, it's like, music and bright yeah, like that, that's half, what i should expect yeah it's like half zambian music playing and then then you have like a mix from the different countries from the continent yeah okay okay i i'm mad at it uh let, let me touch a, a little bit on your personal experience like growing up in zambia so you were born in Lusaka um how was it like for you kind of like like growing up like what's your family dynamic like without getting too personal just to understand how it's like to grow up in a southern African country for someone who might not be from there what, what was it like for 
you growing up in Osaka? Yeah. So I actually didn't grow up in Osaka. I was born in Osaka. Um, and my parents split up when I was very young, when I was still a baby. And then I grew up... Um, if you look at our map of Zambia, there's sort of like two norths of Zambia. <laughs> so I grew up in like uh, the, the shorter north, <laughs> if that makes sense, in a town is called Dodola. Is that what it's called, the shorter north? No, What's I'm just trying to describe language? it for people. Um, right. So the, the, <laughs> the right. province is called the Copper Belt, and that's where um, most of the mines are centered. So, you know, if you hear about Zambia, most of the time people are talking about, oh, copper, you know, their, their economy is based on mines and things like that. So that's where the, the center of the mines is, on the Copper Belt. So I grew up in a town called Ndola. Um, I was with my mom, single mom, and two of us, two, so me and my younger sister. Um, we were, uh, I'd say we are a middle-income family. My mom was a teacher. Um, so I went to the school that she taught at, and... Um, oh, man, that must have been... Uh, <laughs> I know how that feels. <laughs> like your mom is a teacher, so everyone is uh, kind of looking at you like you might snitch if you're doing yeah. something bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, it, it was... And then I went to a boarding school, um, which is sort of the norm. Um, I know some countries, you know, their kids go to boarding school at a much younger age, but... Um, here, most of the time, you find a lot of kids go to boarding school when they reach um, secondary, so that's grade eight. Um, so I went to, then I went to a boarding school, an all-girls Catholic boarding school, <laughs> which has its own um, stories, you know. Um, so we have yeah, a lot of, um, I'd say like, you know, a lot of the schools that are considered really good in secondary are um, are are owned by a certain church and then they are the ones that run it. So yeah, so the one that I went to was a, an all-girls Catholic school. Did, did they make it a point to teach you guys Zambian history in school or not really? They were just teaching you about Christianity and stuff. Um, no, they, they did teach us, um, they did teach us Zambian history, but let's not, <laughs> when we get into the story of history, it's just like, I have my own, my own, uh, my own stories about that. But um, I think what they, what they did neglect you know we went through a period where um our the leaders at the time decided that the local languages were not um i don't know i don't know maybe not beneficial or something but anyway what? yeah i know right when you, when you say the leaders you're talking about the presidency mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. because they, they were, were they zambians yeah they, they like zambians, yeah, zambians? Yeah. because they they came out with a rule that said that, you know, you could only speak English at the schools because we went through this phase where it was just, it was, and it was seen as such a, a shameful thing. Like if you didn't know English very well, you know, it, there was so much shame attached to it. Um, you know, if you just made like a small mistake when speaking, the, the way you would be bullied, you know, it's, it, it just, it, it, it was a very strange period. But then over the years, we've had other um, governments come through that have now said, no, we need to push our local languages. So then, then they just suddenly just say, okay, kids are, are now going to be learning in the local languages and then put them in an exam. And you're like, <laughs> all this time, all they haven't been learning in the local <laughs> languages. They're expecting them to read and write. Yeah, and that pass sounds an exam. like an African policy. Right? right. Like, yeah, always trial by fire. Right? So anyway, <laughs> 
Anyway, so that's what they have right now. Um, but I think the way it's being administered is not, um, it's not user-friendly. So it hasn't really been assimilated very well. So you find, and so you, then you find kids being like, um, because it, let's say in an, an exam, you've got 10, no, eight subjects, right? But you only need five to, to pass. You know what I mean? So then kids don't even show up for the local languages. They don't show up for that exam. Because they're like, yep, I, just that need, sounds about right. I just need my five and I'm good. You know what I mean? So they, they just, I'm not even going to do that. <laughs> so I think they, they need to rethink about how, um, how they, you know, uh, administer that into the schools. I don't even know how we got here. What was your original question? No, no, no. I was just asking about your experience growing up in, in Zambia. Oh, and it was yeah, interesting, yeah. you you know, touching on the educational system, which I think is kind of like common across the continent. You have uh, the Christians who were like the agents of the colonizers who came in and were spreading Western education through, you know, good deeds and religion and, you know, in a bit their history and languages and things start to get lost it was the same thing in nigeria we have this thing called pigeon english and it was very frowned upon you know when i was growing up but you know all the big artists we have now from whiskey to pointer boy all sing in pigeon english and it's this kind of like unifying language that that's understood uh, across the country so it's just surprising like you said you know uh, how you got there I'm, I'm curious though you know you touched a little bit about the two norths in zambia and when i looked at the map it is indeed like two norths and like DRC is right in between the country. So when you want to travel from one north to the other, do you just cross the borders to DRC and go to the other north or you have to go and over kind of thing? Yeah, some people do that. Um, they There's that little bit inlet that goes in like our country. So people will cut across and then go that way. But I think it really just depends where you are coming from because if you're coming from Lusaka, there's a town called Kapiri and the... the Kapiri. Yeah, Kapiri. I love Kipochi. the Southern African name. It was, like, it was like so cool. <laughs> so there's a, a, a road that goes um, north and continues the Great North Road that way. So then you can go that way. So, yeah. Nice, nice. And Zambia is also like a landlocked country. I mean, I know a little bit about this, like n not to, you know, uh, compare a country to a state or whatever, but I live in Colorado, right, in the U.S., and it is landlocked, so we don't have beaches. Like, we have states surrounding us. Like, that's kind of like a similar position to Zambia as a landlocked country. So you, you didn't have, like, beaches growing up. Like, as a kid, you couldn't go to the water and play. So what did you do as a kid? Like, what, what does a young Zambian girl or boy do to kind of, like, have fun and, you know, get away from from their African parents screaming at them, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, we, we are, we're definitely landlocked. We are surrounded by nine countries. and But at the same time, our country has the most uh, water of uh, all the countries. <laughs> so we... So we have Victoria source, Falls. Yeah, we're the source of these um, busy uh, river. And we've got quite a lot of um, tributaries and lakes in our country. And even when you go to like the north of the country, um, you've got Samfia Beach and you've got Tanganyika Beach. Um, and those actually have got white sand. So it is like a, like a proper beach. But then it's not like everybody has been there. I've been there once, but listen, the trick, it was like, I can't do this again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it took forever, but it is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. I'd recommend it for anybody. Um, I mean, if, you know, once our... Uh, economy and tourism gets better and you know they can have flights going there then it, you know it would open it up so much more um in terms of accessibility but it 
is a bit of a it takes a bit of work to get there. Um, but you know when we're how growing, do you get um, there exactly? Sorry, before you before you say, I wanted because I remember when I was in Ghana, I went to like northern Ghana, this place called Lee, and I had to take like a four hour bus from Accra to Lee. And when when I got to Lee, I also had to walk like an extra hour and a half to get to the waterfall, which is kind of like the highest waterfall in West Africa. So <laughs> to get to those beaches, like how do you get there if I land in Yeah. So if you land in Lusaka, you would, um, I'd say just hire a car, um, a four by four uh, wheel drive. Um, oh, off-road. Yeah, definitely an off-road would be better. And then um, just go, just keep following the Great North Road and you would eventually get to those places. So we've got a lot of beautiful, beautiful waterfalls as well. Um, you know, of course, the the most famous, um, which is Mosio Tunia, the colonial name is um, Victoria Falls. But- Oh, um, so Victoria yeah, has also, a, wait, you know, Mosio Tunia? Okay. Is, is the local name. And then Victoria Falls is um, David Livingston naming it after his queen. Um, I, I like that better. I like Mesopotamia. <laughs> so it means the smoke that thunders because from miles away you could see the 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 what the what you call it the splash from the water like you can and hear the roars. Yeah, right. yeah. Nice. So that's the local name. Um, and then you've got like Kalamba Falls, which is also one of the tallest um, waterfalls. Um, in the world and you know so there's a lot of beauty um, but it does take a bit of work to get there um, when you when I talk about the beaches um, there's some lodges which are along the beach so they've kind of developed it and you can easily access those but it's the waterfalls where you kind of like need to you know have your four-wheel drive and then get to a certain place and then take a bit of a walk and um, discover where that fall is. Right, right. And it's more so Tunia that, like, I, I see these waterfalls, and I know it's in Africa, but is it the same waterfall where people can go to the edge of the waterfall and kind of like there's a rock that you can pretty much yeah. lay down on and look as the water is, like, going down? When I saw that, I was like, gave me a heart attack on Instagram. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, yeah. it was so cool. I was like, man, called, I have to build this. Yeah, it's called the Devil's Pool. So you can't... Yeah, you can't access it um, when the water is at full capacity because, you know, there's different seasons where it's like really, really, you know, a lot of water passing through. So in the drier seasons, um, that's when you can walk up to it and then, um, yeah, then you can look over the falls. So I have never done it, probably will never do it. But yes, I've seen the picture that I know what it is in theory. <laughs> Right, right, so, yeah. right. I'm sure a bunch of people have fallen from that thing, right? I would imagine like one or two people have dropped <laughs> from that whole thing. If, if you want to play in the devil's pool, I know. Well, not anyone that we've heard. I mean, the most recent thing that, it's not even that recent anymore, that we heard um, was there's a lady that did bungee jumping over the bridge that's between Zimbabwe and Zambia, and it's basically the same area. Um, and um, the rope cut. So she fell, but she survived, and then she went back again. Oh, she wasn't injured or anything? No, oh, she, she fell into the water. She fell into the water, was injured. When she did recover, she went back again. Oh, let, let me guess. What what race was she? <laughs> Just guess. Just guess. <laughs> Who and why? Who? Because <laughs> I'm like, girl, this has already happened to you. Like, why are you going back 
Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Man, <laughs> it's it's so interesting and I'd love to, you know, go somewhere, you know, to to the whole Southern Africa. Like I, I want to do, I haven't explored like so last time I went to like Ghana, Togo, and the Ivory Coast. I think I didn't get the opportunity to go to Senegal because I didn't have enough time. But I want to explore Eastern Africa. I want to explore Southern Africa as well. I always thought I was starting South Africa, but from the, the way I'm hearing these stories, I might just start in Zambia, man. Like, yeah. Let's get out there and like drink <laughs> the local drinks and, you know, go out there to the waterfalls and take the forerunner up. And are there a bunch of reserves in, in Zambia as yes. well, like game reserves yes. and things like that? I mean, when you look oh, nice. when you look at our um, our country, it's a lot of um, open land because that land is reserved for the game reserves. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of people that come specifically, um, you know, to come and look at the animals, and you know, we've got things like there's a, a bat migration that happens. I'm not too sure which time in the year, but it's just yeah, it's like. And you just see like the bats are just like, a, like it's almost like like a cloud of just black just passing over. I was like, first of all, wow, I've seen the many. pictures and I'm like, that wouldn't be me. The, you know, some of these things like <laughs> just wouldn't be me. But, you know. Are, are Zambians <laughs> superstitious about things like that? I know Nigerians <laughs> are superstitious about bats and owls and cats and all that stuff. Yeah, no, I haven't heard any um, stories about that because, I mean, it happens every year. It's like, anyway, but, um, but you know, there's, there's different migrations that happen that people come to witness. Um, we've got another ceremony that happens in the um, west of uh, the country where the floodplains, um, because um, when the water comes in, then uh, a certain area is not habitable anymore. So the, that tribe has to move to higher land. And there's a whole ceremony about it. And, you know, it's called the Komboka Wait, ceremony. When you say, when you say so, tribe, you, know, you mean like people? Interesting. Every year? Wow. So how do they, like, are, are they just people who maybe their, their houses aren't like, they're like not permanent houses and they can just get up and go every September or something, then come back or something? How's yeah. that work exactly? I'm not too sure how it works. I've never been to the, the ceremony, but it's something that has been done literally um, probably for hundreds of years. Um, wow. What's it called? What's that ceremony it's called? It's Kwamboka. Yeah. Kwamboka. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, 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 the chief of the tribe, he moves with his, um, there's a boat, which is a special made boat and it's got like a, an elephant on the top. Sounds amazing, man. Sounds amazing. I know sometimes like I get this feeling when I'm in Nigeria as well. It's like a lot of these things like we take for granted when we live in the country, but to a foreigner like me, just, just sounds special and just makes me want to go there. Oh man, tons of, tons of fun stuff to explore in Zambia. I'm sure there are many more more things uh, if you guys want to listen and, and do some research. Uh, let's talk about some of the projects you're involved in. So you have this thing called uh, Africana Woman, uh, where you're, you're creating, like it's a whole thing. You have a podcast, you do events, you have like a newsletter, like, like a true African woman. You're juggling all these things at once, like multitasking. Uh, what is the Africana Woman? Uh, apparently you're kind of like creating safe spaces for African women and you're, you're infusing culture into that. But can you explain uh, what you're trying to achieve with that? initiative specifically yeah so um <laughs> i think africana woman was really born when i was asked to do a a, a talk 
um, sort of like a TEDx talk um, for another private community that I'm part of. And um, I did a talk called um, African Women, Past, Present, Future. And what really became apparent to me was how our history, because, you know, when we go back to that story about history, is actually his story. It's not her story. Um, so it has... You know, it's been written by men. It has, um, you know, it's men-focused. And you would think that for those men to exist, someone had to birth them, right? But <laughs> were they doing nothing? <laughs> but that, you know, that history is not there. Um, and I think, you know, in the age that we live in, we've forgotten who we are. And I think it's so important to remind people of um, who we really are and to let people know that we were part of the history and we did um, contribute in a positive way to, you know, where we've come so far. That said, now that we are here, um, I do believe that um, in our culture, because, um, okay, so just so that you know, in Zambia, we have um, about 74 tribes. Um, and uh, most of those tribes are matrilineal, right? Now, when, um, uh, you know, colonial people came in, they brought in that patriarchy. And then what has been left after independence is this um, struggle between patriarchy and, you know, these matrilineal traditional um, practices. So I think a lot of times um, what happens is that we experience the world in, in a way that we just say, this is how it's always been done. But I believe that culture is something that evolves. Culture is something that um, should change over time. Like, let's actually have conversations where we can say, okay, these are the things that really work. These are the things that we should be celebrating. And then these are the things that don't necessarily help us. They're, they don't um, benefit anyone, whether it's a man or a woman in our society. But what I do is I create safe spaces for people to have those conversations. So I break, um, you know, with the podcast, I'm breaking the culture of silence. Because a lot of times, a lot of things, a lot of these conversations are shrouded in shame and guilt. And, you know, the shame of, oh, uh, if I talk about this, I'm going to bring shame on my family. Um, I feel guilty because, um, you know, if I walk away from this abusive situation, um, you know, uh, my family is going to be kind of ostracized and, you know, my kids will be broken up and all these kinds of things. But in the end, are your kids actually benefiting if you're in an abuse situation? Like, you know what I mean? That's just an example. Um, so we are creating these safe spaces so that people can come and tell their stories. But at the same time, same time for the person that's listening to also know that you are not alone. Because, uh, uh, because the things that happen to us can be isolating. And because we can't, you know, go out and find the help, you're thinking, oh, I'm the only person that, that is experiencing this in this moment. But when you hear somebody else tell the story, you say, oh, okay, I'm not alone. Uh, and that person found help and they made it out and they are thriving. So that's basically... The, the the concept of Africana woman. Well, that's pretty interesting. Was it born out of a personal experience that led you to start that organization? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> a long story. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have to go into details. Yeah, if you want, I know. 
I was just intrigued. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, my. I think my whole life has really just been um, leading me up to this. From you know, as a child, I I didn't grow up with my father, as I, as I had explained. You know, growing up in a single parent home. Um, and then um, when I went to university, I actually studied in the states, by the way. Um, I was in Connecticut um, at Connecticut College. Um, and then I got pregnant, and then I was a single mother uh, out of wedlock. And just that stereotype alone, like in an African community, ciao, it can take you out. Then, um, then anyway, then I continued with my career, and then I, um, you know, I had a series of unfortunate events that went on. But in the end, I found myself, um, I think in 2019, um, I was having um, anxiety attacks, I was depressed, and I didn't really know how to break out of that cycle until one day I just woke up and said, you know what, enough is enough and I have to get help. So I went for therapy. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm really a big advocate for is, you know, um, going to get um, therapy. If you need the help, go and get therapy. Um, you know, in African communities, um, you know, you say, oh, you know, therapy, that white thing you see on movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we solve our things right? with religion. Yeah, exactly. It's like, the devil. Get it out of her. <laughs> Why are you going and talking to somebody else about, you know, your problems, whatever? Um, but you know what? For me, therapy saved my life. Um, and then I also found it in community. Um, I, I I became part of a community that really, really helped me to um, be in this much better space, uh, in a much healthier state. Um, but then at the same time, the irony of that was the community that I found was in um, America. Um, so I was doing like an online thing, right? And I just thought, you know what? I would love to have a community that specifically for Africans so that African women can see another African woman and actually relate. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, Oprah Winfrey is my, my role model or whatever, but who are the African women? Who are the women that we can look up to? So um, that's why I also created the community um, so that we can actually um, see each other and see ourselves represented uh, in each other. Yeah. Man, you're doing the Lord's work, man. And I really, you know, like to hear about stories like this. Like if there's anything that culture class can do in our own little way, maybe if you're having an event and, and need us to post on social media or need to come on again to like reach our audience or whatever, let us know. I mean, speaking of reaching our audience, like if a woman somewhere, an African woman somewhere in the world is listening to this and wants to be part of that community, like does she need to be on Zam in Zambia? Like what does she need to do? Oh my gosh, it's so, so easy. Um, so the page is very simple. The website is africanawoman.com. You will literally find everything there. So you will find the blog, you find the podcast, and you'll also find um, access to the community. We have a Facebook group. Just look for Africana Women Visionaries. Um, and then um, my playground is Instagram. So y'all can find me on Instagram. Just look for Africana Woman or Chulu by Design. And um, we'll be able to connect you to, and you'll be able to see the, you know, the, we post all the time about the events we're having and all of that. Um, so yeah, just look for africanawoman.com and it will open up our worlds to you. Right, right. And we're going to have the links to Africana Woman uh, and, and Chulu's Instagram as well in the show notes. So you can just click on that and it'll take you straight to their pages. What does Chulu mean? Because when I saw your Instagram handle as Chulu by Design, I was like, 
oh, that's interesting. Like, I wonder what you mean. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of strange. My name, um, it means an anthill. So if you come in, because um, in, in our country, well, in Southern Africa anyway, it's the savannah. So, but then you see these anthills that have been created by, you know, it's like the small, small, tiny ants, but then the hills can go up to 15 feet high. You know, they're, they can be big. You know, um, why my parents would name me an anthill, I'm still, you know, I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> Maybe because they know, they, they recognize your strength, that, hey, you might seem so small and the society might deem you in insignificant as a Black woman, but you have the power to create this force. Maybe with Africana women being an anthill to be noticed in the, in the community. Yeah, so that, that's basically what I'm taking away from it. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, this little ant makes this mountain, like in comparison to it, it's literally a mountain and it works together in community to build that mountain. And that's literally what I do. So, um, yeah, so that's. That's my name. Destiny, man. I love Africans for that. Like, we don't take things like that for granted. Like, if you ask people their name, you can kind of see the pattern of how their life panned out with how how, how well they were, they were named, but it's all good. So, um, oh, man, Chulu, this has been really insightful. Um, there are a lot of things. I'll, I'll love to learn more about Zambia. Uh, hopefully, I can make it out there someday and we can have an in-person podcast. Like, all these people I'm having on the podcast, like, when I eventually <coughs> get that private jet or even before... <laughs> Like I'll touch all these countries and you guys will be like the first point of contact. Maybe we can have an in-person episode. But yes. man, I really appreciate you for coming on the podcast. Um, I know you 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 mentioned your social media, but if you have any last words for this episode, uh, you can plug your social media again or, you know, speak to our audience or talk about something else you're doing. Uh, you kind of have the floor. Oh, thank you. First of all, I just love to say thank you so much for this opportunity. I've enjoyed myself. I love talking about Africa and my country. Um, um, yeah, so I'm very easy to find. Chulu by Design on Instagram. Um, you can look up africanawoman.com. Again, it has everything, so you'll be able to find what we're doing. Um, I just... I, I guess I would just want to say to anybody out there who is um, has maybe found themselves in a situation where you feel like there's no hope, I, I want you to know there's always an option and um, you, you just have to make it an option first in your mind. When you do, the help will find you. So first of all, make it an option in your mind and know that you're not alone and you can get out of whatever that situation is. Facts, facts. I appreciate you, Chulu Chansa, all the way from Kaboe in Zambia. And it's been Culture Class Podcast. You guys can follow us. Uh, it's Culture Class Podcast everywhere. Uh, check out our website, cultureclasspodcast.com. Uh, check out our new donations page, support the podcast. So maybe we can have some of these interviews live, depending on how you guys support. Maybe we can fly to Zambia or fly them over here. We don't know. But we appreciate every donation uh, you guys can contribute. And until next time, be well.